Hail to thee, our dear old Marquette High. Our team will raise our banner to the sky. We will fight against the foe. We will never let them go till the victory finally is won. Rah, rah, for the blue and gold will always stand and the laurels that we gain will remain. We will keep them alive for our school. We will strive ever onward, Marquette High. M M M A R Q Q Q U E T T T T E Marquette. Best show intro ever. Let's go. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined by the lovely tones of Mitch Stormer. Mitch, you're you're a good man. You followed through on the bet there. Although I will say that I've heard more enthusiastic renditions that come from the Knights of Columbus after a Marquette victory. But, you know, the effort is there. I appreciate it. I'll leave it to the experts for future reference. <laughs> um you know, hey, it, w- it was a good game. I'm a man of my word. Uh, that is uh, a bet paid up on, and uh, now we can move on. What were your uh, What were your thoughts when I, you know, I texted you the lyrics on Saturday afternoon and said, "Get ready." Did you practice through them, or did you sing to your wife and your kids to make sure you were ready? Or no, they they have <laughs> no idea what that is. So uh, yeah, you know, pretty pretty standard as far as fight songs go with a little bit of Ottawa Marquette flair so yep uh yeah having never heard it we gave it our best shot (laughs) well see Mitch I've been battling all weekend to save my voice because I've been I I feel like I'm going to lose my voice at any time and you can probably hear it as I talk but the good news is I knew I didn't have to sing so you know right you had that going for you Marquette helped me out on that one Mm mm-hmm well, Mitch, before we jump in, of course, we want to encourage everyone and thank everyone for listening, following along on Twitter and also on YouTube. Mitch, have you seen the uh, videos we've been rolling out on the YouTube channel this past week? Yeah, a lot of old school footage from from deep in the Greg Armstrong archives. So, so those are those are cool to see. Yeah, I actually found I just put it if you go to uh, View from the West on YouTube, search for View from the West. When you get to YouTube, find our channel. Uh, you know, of course, we always encourage you to subscribe and follow along. But uh, Mitch, I found the very first Illinois high school football game that I covered when I moved to the Quad Cities. Wow. It was the Cambridge Vikings on the road at the Stark County Rebels 2005. Mm-hmm. I believe it was week five of 2005. So I got that one posted up. So uh, if Jade Nord is listening, you can head out there and, you know, see some old clips via, via my, uh, my camera lens from back in 2005. So. Right. Yeah. I think I was telling you, I think I would recognize some of those Stark County players. I went to Ambrose with a couple of guys who I know played for Stark County. So uh, yeah, cool to see old, old footage like that. It looks, it looks so ancient now, nowadays. <laughs> it does. You know what though, man, those cameras shot really good. All things yeah, considered, oh, sure. looking yeah. back like, man, it's standard def, but it still looks pretty good. I miss, I miss some of those cameras. They were, they were high, they were high end. Right. They were nice, right. but uh, you know, like I said, go out and uh, check out, we got some, classic highlights we got Morrison from uh I believe it's the Morrison quarterfinal win over Newman in 2011 on their way to their second state championship so Mm -hmm. I got that one posted up there I also on on the other side I have uh I haven't posted it yet but I have Dakota's win over Morrison in 
what year did we decide 2007 2007 it happened, it happened in 05 and 07 yeah okay. i was there i was there both times okay one is a play, one is a player and one with you on the sideline well one yep the one year with me in 07 i have that one to post for uh, the people from dakota listening to kyle campmeyer i'm sure he wants to see it as well so anyway yeah. i encourage you to go out and we got a it, it's a bunch of fun i've been converting some dvds over to digital and uh you know getting them posted it's a lot of fun so yeah. anyway thank you to everyone who followed along mitch at last check last week's episode was our second most listened to episode Ooh. of all time so yeah i haven't checked the final standings right now maybe i can pull it up real quick but thank you so much to everyone who's been listening last last week was a marathon i don't know if we're gonna yeah. be <laughs> podcasting for that long this week Last week was a long one. You know, we, we were fortunate this week to have a lot of our, our area teams uh, advance on. So we still do have quite a bit to talk about. Um, but yeah, last week uh, was, was a labor of love. It was a lot of uh, research going into these matchups. Uh, so like you said, we're very thankful for everyone who took the time and listened, uh, at least for part of it. Obviously, if you didn't listen for all two hours and 21 minutes, whatever it was, that's completely understandable. But hopefully... Uh, it, you got something out of it. And again, thanks for listening. Well, Mitch, the people who listened, there were 772 of them. It is our most listened to episode hey. of all time. So all right. We broke, we broke the record. So thank you to everyone who supports us and listens along. That that does mean a lot. That's really cool. So yeah, uh, very cool. To every, this week, we're obviously going to be going into week two. We'll look a little bit back on round one. Or sorry, round two. Look a little bit back on round one. I encourage everyone to go out to Twitter right now, and you can check out the Instant Reacts podcast. Mitch, you stepped in when I said, nope, I, my voice cannot handle it tonight. Yeah. You and Kyle stepped up and did the uh, Friday night reacts to some of the early the games that happened in, the, in round one on Friday night. And yeah, uh, yeah it sounded good. Yeah, after getting completely ghosted um, by everyone at the score, <laughs> uh, Kyle stepped in late. I think it was it was definitely midnight or after my time, so it was eleven o'clock his time. And I just I said, "Hey, you want to do it real quick?" He said, "Yeah, let's let's jump on." So uh, we we had no idea what we were doing when we started off trying to get the technology to work, but we did. And uh, thanks for everyone who either stuck with us or uh, at least listened afterwards because we know it was late. So again, thanks to Kyle for, for stepping up and uh, covering t 10 games or so, whatever it was we had on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, more games now on Friday, a little bit, unfortunately due to the referee shortage, but either way mm -hmm. it did kind of spread out the action a little bit in round one. Well, and uh, you know what? It also seems to me that the, the bigger schools play on Fridays. They there do. wasn't, there wasn't many, you know, one, a games that were, or two, a games that were on Friday. So I don't know if that has yeah. something to do with it. I, I don't know, but it, you know, even this week, we've got Moline on Friday night. Quincy's on Saturday, but Sterling is on, on Friday night. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know if there's a correlation there or, or just completely on refs. I don't know. Well, I have looked – when you look back, it is kind of funny that, like, Princeton has traditionally played on Friday night. I remember several Friday games before even Coach Pearson was there. That's mm -hmm. always been their thing. Stark County has been a team that's played on Friday nights in the playoffs a lot of different times. So there's just several different teams that – whether it's a coaching thing or the school prefers yeah. it. I don't know, but there's, right. there's, but you kind of notice the trends over the years, but um, I will say stocking didn't, didn't ghost me because he at least responded, but Dazzo and cuff just did not respond to text. And I understand man. it. I, I watched the score. It was their last one of the year, I think. Uh, so late into the night, totally get it, but come on, fellas, you know, just, just a simple text. It's just courtesy. That's all. <laughs> Man, just when I thought you and Dazza were becoming friends, 
You know, you've nope. done a podcast together last week, and now here we are. Back to yeah, his his lack of chivalry just reappears. <laughs> All right. Well, should we jump in? Should we talk some uh, round two of the IHSA state playoffs, Mitch? Well, let me say this because I looked at this. I looked at this a couple times. It is second round, not round two. Round second round. Okay. Yes. That is the official let's try, terminology. Let's, yeah. Let's try and it's like when people say inaugural yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or first annual instead yeah. of inaugural. It's yeah. like that. So yeah, I, I wanted to look it up to make sure I would, cause I kept doing it on, on Friday and Saturday, like round one. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I just say it says first round, second round, quarterfinal, semifinal. So. All right. Well, the, the, the question, the question becomes, who do we blame on our notes then who wrote round two at the top me. of our notes? Absolutely me. <laughs> All right. Good. I couldn't remember, honestly. So no, there you go. Absolutely me. So. All right. Well, we're starting in class 7A. We're starting with the Moline Maroons. Mitch, they got the win last week over DeKalb 21-13. So they move on as the number 10 seed to go on the road to number seven seed Yorkville. Friday night, another Friday game, Friday night, November 4th, 7 p.m. at Yorkville. So looking back briefly on last week, Riley Fuller, 195 yards on the ground. Sibley made big plays, 113 total yards, two touchdowns, and an interception on defense. So he continues to get the job done. Both those guys have played great all year long. Defense shut out DeKalb in the second half, which is huge. I mean, that, that's impressive for the Moline defense to come away with that second half shutout. That leads to the win. Moline only 46 yards passing, but honestly, they were able to get the job done on the ground. And when you win the game defensively, like you did, you know, I think that's a, you know, the big sign for them moving forward. Coach Morrissey felt like they could control this game because of that. And so, you know, this is honestly, Mitch, you look back, this is the first time they've been tested in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Sterling game aside, it, it's hard to think that Molina was, was really truly tested. Yeah. You know, like you said, in about two months. So, um, but you're going to see that this time of year in, in 7A. Uh, and I said that on, on Friday night, too, during the reacts, is that every round matchup is going to be tough. So uh, DeKalb came in ready to play. But uh, as we've seen all year, it was the Moline defense that stepped up. Um, like you said, uh, Sibley played really well on both sides of the ball, that clutch inter- interception on defense. So, um, and, you know, didn't pass much. Um, like coach Morrissey maybe didn't think that they needed to maybe that works into their favor going into Yorkville. I mean, they're going to, you know, Yorkville's going to have plenty of tape on the Maroons. So it's not like they're going to just see this DeKalb game and think, Oh, they don't pass very much. Cause they'll, they'll see that, but maybe it's a little bit more hidden ammo for Moline going into this game against a really good Yorkville defense. Yeah. So a good Yorkville defense, a fast Yorkville defense, they're sitting at nine and one, the same as Moline. They won the first round 33 to eight over Libertyville. Mitch, you did your homework. What do we know about the, is it Yorkville Foxes? The Foxes. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Southwest Prairie Conference runner ups to Plainfield North. Uh, that was also their only loss of the year was to a really good Plainfield North team. As you mentioned, a really, a really fast stout defense. They've had five shutouts on the year. Uh, a pair of brothers, Andrew and Luke, Luke Zook, um, really the heart and soul of that defense. I think Luke Zook is a sophomore, but they both scored either on defensive side of the ball or in special teams. So really special players there. Um, 
offensively, and again, they play in a tough league. They only average about 22 points on offense, um, as you mentioned, 33 in that win over, over Libertyville. But in the loss that they had to Plainfield North, uh, Plainfield was, was able to get through to them and score through the air. And that's kind of why I mentioned that earlier, that what if Moline was maybe not intentionally hiding something, but maybe they can prove to Yorkville that they can pass because they've certainly shown it all year. Obviously they haven't needed to allow with, with Riley Fuller having the year that he's had, but can the Maroons capitalize if that is one of Yorkville's, uh, what do I want to say? One of their shortfalls is pass coverage. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I really liked how Moline has obviously played all year. Really liked how they were battled in the first round. Um, and that's what you want. You want to be able to be in those sort of tough situations and be used to it when you're going to play a tough team in Yorkville. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about Libertyville coming in at five and four, the team that Yorkville just beat, but I will say that, you know, I think Moline got a test in DeKalb, right? We, we mm-hmm. talked about the DeKalb program that year in and year out plays a really high end football, you know, really high end football. So I'm impressed with this win. And I, I like that. Man, if you're playing good defense this time of year, like that will keep you in a lot of football games, right? I mean, mm-hmm. And we talked about on, on Friday in the Instant Reacts too that uh, Moline's trying to break a couple of trends here. They've never been to the third round and they yeah. haven't won 10 games in a season since 1906. So um, trying to buck the trend there. Um, they're going to have a shot. This is a good Yorkville team, but this is a really good Moline team too. So really looking forward to seeing this matchup. This is a Friday night game, 7 p.m. at Yorkville. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach Morrissey and, you know, his coaching staff and what they've done with this program over the past, I can't think of how many years it's been now, but really have, you know, brought it back to life, have really Mm -hmm. brought it to new heights. And I think, man, you're one win away from that whole new level, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you're taking the next step. This seems like the next big step. And, I, you know, I, I would love to see him get past it, get over this hurdle, and move on and see what they can do in the quarterfinals. I think that once you start getting to that level, anything can happen, right? I mean, you're, you put yourself in a great spot. So best of luck to the Maroons. They go on the road to Yorkville Friday night, seven o'clock against the Foxes. Mitch, what else you got? The I just want to say the, the winner of this game would go on to play the winner of the two seed Arlington Heights Hershey, who is undefeated at 10 and 0 and the 18 seed Batavia at seven and three. That would be your quarterfinal matchup. We'll see how it shakes out. Again, I'd love to see Moly Maroons marching on here and be able to talk about that next round. So we'll see uh, mm-hmm. yep. see what happens, see how it plays out. Well, Mitch, let's move into Class 6A. Quincy, the Quincy Blue Devils, moving on in the playoffs. And you talk about big wins for a program. Mitch, that was only the second playoff win in school history last week. So a huge yep. win, 49-42 over a good Chatham Glenwood team out of a really good conference down there in the Springfield area. Braden Little just continues to impress. Yeah, this was this was an awesome game between two really I mean it was a shootout and we're going to get another one here in the second round. So, uh on on Friday night Braden Little 24-27 for 426 yards, four touchdowns. Um Jareus Rice 154 yards, he had three touchdowns on the ground. Get another one receiving. Uh, on the other side for Glenwood, their quarterback, Jack Newtson, 22 of 34 for 342 yards and five touchdowns. So um, two just really, really dynamic quarterbacks playing at the highest level. This was a game that Quincy was up 40 to 19 or something like that. 
Glenwood made a charge late, but uh, the, the Blue Devils were able to hold them off uh, and, and, like you said, advance here. So uh, a great game uh, by the players, you know, that we have seen do this type of performance all year. Um, and as you mentioned, a, a historic win for that program. Yeah, huge win. So they have never been to the – they've never advanced past the second round. So okay. moving forward, anything here is is history for this – Quincy football team and I man I I like where they're at right now Mitch that they, mm-hmm. they just in a win like that when you have a younger group you know they've gained experience obviously this year playing really well in the western big six but still overall a lot of kids that are juniors and sophomores and to kind of get a big lead and then have a playoff team like Chatham Glenwood charge back at you but to keep that composure and to keep scoring mm-hmm. and to know like Hey, we're in a shootout. We got to keep scoring. We got to keep up with them. And they held them off, right? I I love the confidence that this team is playing with right now. And I think sometimes when you're that young team, I think I mentioned it last week about, I can't remember if it was Quincy or somebody else, but sometimes these younger teams, I think that they just, you know, their identity isn't to overthink it. They just show up and play, right? So, right. I, you know, the expectation or the pressure maybe isn't as high for them because they are well, a younger group. And I think we talked about it in the playoff preview, like having that game against Rock Island where they were down 28 nothing and coming back and winning, that yeah. just could monumentally be, you know, a, a key point in their progression. They're certainly going to have to play similarly against Lamont. Uh, really impressed with what Lamont has to offer as the number one seed here in 6A, but um, it's, it's hard to say that Quincy can't do it the way that they've been playing. Yeah, well, let's get into a little bit of Lamont here you know, year in and year out, traditionally a very good football program. This year is the same. They're the number one seed, like you mentioned. They're nine and zero now, ten and zero. They get their first round win. I have to think about it every time now yep. when I say first round or round one. I got it though. Yep. First round win, fifty five fourteen over Blue Island Eisenhower. So, Mitch, you've done a little bit of homework here. What do we know about Lamont? What what is their what is their nickname? I don't know if I know it. I don't know. Oh, um, well, I'll have to look that up while well, you're talking. Yeah. Um, I, I know that they're good. Uh, I'll leave yeah, it at yep, that. They are yep. the, the South Suburban Blue champions here, undefeated. They average about 45 points a game. And when you see who their quarterback is, it's pretty easy to see why they score that many points. Uh, Peyton Solomon, uh, he's going to be playing on Saturdays. There's no question about that. He was a player of the year for the conference, uh, but also the deep dish player of the year. If you are, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you've seen us. Coach uh, Big Pete. Yeah. Coach Big Pete and Deep Dish. Um, very big publication. So getting the player of the year honors from, from him um, is huge. He's over 2,000 yards in the season. Greg, 30 touchdowns, hasn't thrown a pick. This coming, off the season, this, this coming off a season where he threw 31 touchdowns and one interception last season. So in the last two years, he has a 61 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. Um, which is just amazing. On the other side of the ball, they've got a player, Noah Taylor. He is a North Dakota State commit, plays outside linebacker for him, just absolutely flies around the field. So certainly somebody that that Brain Little is going to have to be aware of, not only when he's standing in the pocket, but also in coverage because he can blitz, he can cover, he's all over the place. So again, with, with how Quincy played in the round in round one, um, they're just going to have to play that same type of game to get over Lamont because I expect Lamont to 
and again, not anything against Quincy's defense. I think Quincy's defense is pretty good, but Lamont is just a very, very strong offensive team. Yeah, I think that, you, like you said, you're going to have to keep that poise, keep that composure, and know that even if your defense gives up a few points to a very good Lamont team, you try to do what you could do on offense. And I, you know, hey, Mitch, it's, it's, it's the Western Big 12 that, you know, people yeah. get annoyed with me saying, but right. this, this conference has proven that they can get in shootout games and, yeah. you know, more often than not come away with the win or at least be comfortable enough in that shootout game to know kind of what they're getting themselves into. Uh, interesting update, Mitch. At this point on the IHSA website, Lamont does not have a nickname listed. There was a couple of teams like that. So I don't know if that's some sort of glitch in well, the system. No, I've done a little bit more research here. If you could trust Wikipedia, which, you know, okay. take that for what it is. There's a lot of info on here about Lamont High School. Uh, they had phased out the Indians. They were the ma- Their mascot was the Indians for a long time. They okay. phased it out in 05, 06, but then they did bring it back. And now as of July of 2021, they have announced they are phasing it out again. So maybe they don't okay. have a nickname at all right now. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. I, I, I suppose. Um, yeah. They're the Lamont, they're the Lamont football team, similar to yeah. the former uh, commanders nickname. Right. So um, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Again, I did, I did notice that though. Um, okay. so it, that it, on the, I should say website. So I don't know if, if there is a glitch somewhere, but in Lamont's case, at least we did the, or you did the homework to look that up. So <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting nugget there. Yeah. So that will do it for class six. A good luck to the Quincy blue devils and, you know, continue to make some school history here. And, uh, that's yeah. And that's a Saturday game at 3 PM at Flynn stadium in Quincy. Yep. So man, I hope, I hope that place is rocking, right? Like that. Yeah for a Quincy program that's hungry for that kind of success this year feels like it's built up to this like yeah man I hope I hope they uh give oh, them a good I, showing I think Quincy Notre Dame fell to Macomb in round one so you know I hope all football fans of whatever school you you go to there in Quincy uh hopefully uh Quincy University University Quincy whatever it is maybe they're away Yep. Let's get all of Quincy at this game. You know, th- this is going to be a fun one. I'm really I'm excited sh- to watch this game. I'm sure that our uh, our friends in Quincy, Matt Shuckman and Don O'Brien, will be all over it. So yep. follow along with them if, on Twitter if you don't already, and I'm sure they will have the info that we need. So, Mitch, let's right. move into Class 5A, staying in the Western Big Six. The number five seed, Sterling Golden Warriors, go on the road to number four seed, Sarah E. Good STEM Academy. Mitch, that's the research in itself. I did not know that that was the full name. So, bravo, yeah, just, well done. Yeah, they just show up as, as Chicago Good in uh, on IHSA. So, yeah, digging a little bit deeper uh, to, to learn about the uh, – I don't know what their mascot is either. So, um, it's about Sarah E. Good STEM here. Yeah. So, this game will be Friday night, 530 at Lane Tech in Chicago – which I believe that's a really cool looking stadium. I yeah. think I've seen photos of that over the years on Twitter. Edgy Tim tweeted it out a few months ago. That place looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think I think Good has a has a stadium, but it, it might not hold that many. I don't know how it works. So yeah. um yeah, that'll be that'll be a cool under the lights game, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, Mitch, were you able to uh keep up with this Sterling uh play or the first round win? Did you uh yeah watch that one? Give us a little update on that one. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wasn't expecting this to be much of a game and, and it, it, in the end, 
you know, Strong kind of pulled away, but it was a defensive battle in the first half. It was only six to two. And then uh, Viator took the opening kickoff back uh, in the second half. So Viator held a lead. They did lose their quarterback. We talked about Cooper Komet, uh, the brother of, uh, of Cole Komet. He went down in the first quarter, so they were playing a backup, but he played really, really well in this game. But the turning point here, Sterling was up by 10 at this point. Um, late third quarter, it was fourth and one. Kale Ryan took the snap, broke a tackle at the line, bounced to the outside, rumbles 58 yards for a score. Uh, and, and again, that, or sorry, they were, they were up three at this time. That put them up 10. They would go on to score again to, to really put this one out of, uh, out of hand. But Ryan had a big day, as he has you know all year, 113 rushing yards, two scores. He was also four of eight passing for 77 yards and a touchdown. And he had a scoop and score fumble on, on defense. So a huge game for Kale Ryan. Uh, J.P. Schilling had 94 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. He went five of six for 30 yards passing. And uh, Antonio Tabonte, 76 yards on 14 carries. So uh, in the end, a very typical Sterling game. Uh, again, maybe that first half was just maybe shaking out some nerves. Maybe Viator was playing a little inspired. But in the second half, it was all Golden Warriors. Uh, and they're moving on. Yeah. So Mitch, you mentioned the scoop and score, the fumble for a touchdown. Let's talk about this stat that I heard. Talk about an impressive ratio. Yeah. Sterling has forced 22 turnovers this season and they themselves have only turned the ball over three times. Oof. That's going to win you a lot of football games. That's going to win you a lot of football games, including the one in the second round that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. So thank you to Matt Gingrich, sideline reporter for Golden Warrior TV. Mm-hmm. He uh, sent me a message this afternoon, and I that that's great. I mean that that's yeah. that's good football. No way, yeah. no no way else to put it. Now I don't know if that's Chicago good football. Get it? See what I did there? I see. Yeah, there's not a lot of that going around these days. So <laughs> in any in any in any class, high school, college, NFL, none of it's good. So <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about what do we know about Chicago good, Mitch? Um. A Chicago Public League team, which yep. we'll talk about here, and then we'll talk about more in the Dupec and the Lena game. But uh, yep. they were the CPL Red Southeast champions. They won their first round game, forty-eight nothing over another CPL team in Chicago Noble Pritzker. Um, odd enough, their only loss was to a two and seven Whitney Young team. I do think Whitney Young plays seven A, eight A, so they are a bigger team, and I know they have a, a tough schedule. But um, that was their only loss. Don't know much about them, to be honest with you. Really, really don't. So uh, hopefully uh, Coach Schlemmer and the boys have uh, have plenty of film on these guys, um, which I think when we get to Lena, I don't think they had any tape on Chicago Richards. I don't think they ever got me, but oh, wow. a, point for another, a point for another game. Um, where I fall in this is that, and I've said this to you, I do not trust a Chicago Public League team. I just don't. Um, I don't mean it as an insult to the team, to the players. They just don't play the type of schedule that's going to win you any playoff games. So um, could they beat Sterling? Sure. I, I don't know much about them. They could. I don't expect it, though, because, uh, again, I, I don't like their schedule. I don't like that they always just play other CPL teams. They got an easy one here in the first round, another CPL team. So um, just knowing how good Sterling is and how typically – CPL teams fair in the playoffs. Again, that's bad analysis to judge a game off of, but I, it's it's happened enough times to know, or at least to expect what's going to happen. But even if I thought good had a chance, 
again, Sterling has just been so impressive with all of their playmakers and, and the stats that you just gave on their defense that they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to win here and move on. Yeah, you know, you look back at the one Chicago Public League team that really kind of turned heads and really made a name for themselves was Chicago Phillips, right? Then mm-hmm, that, right. And, bef- and before them, it was, it was the narrative you just described where you just never thought one of those Chicago Public League teams was going to be a threat getting deeper into the playoffs. That Chicago Phillips team, they really did completely flip that narrative. They, they changed right. it. They played great football. Sterling saw it firsthand. Sterling played them in the semifinals right. one of those years. So, but yeah, outside of that Phillips program, you really don't see it. So mm-hmm. you're right. I, I, don't, I don't see this one um, as a huge challenge for Sterling. Obviously, it is on the road. It's a road game. So you do, you know, have to go on the road and get a playoff victory. Overall, yeah, I think this one sets itself up nice. The bracket has set itself up nicely for Sterling overall. Um, I mean, and looking ahead, I know, you know, players and coaches, they can't look ahead, but I guess, you know, the nice part is for us, that's what we we do. do, You know, and when you do, I mean, when you look, when you look ahead at this bracket, I think, I think they've caught a break by going to the North and Mm -hmm. where they ended up in this bracket exactly if they win here, I'm looking at Sycamore probably winning as the number one seed. Sterling would have a matchup with Sycamore, which we called out back, you know, in our playoff preview as a potential mm-hmm. quarterfinal matchup. You look at the other side of the bracket, I think you're better off, you know, going north. That south part of the bracket, you have uh, Meta- Muhammad Seymour and Metamora going up against each other as the one and eight seed. On the opposite end of the bracket, I think the two best teams in the South, Peoria High School and Kankakee, mm-hmm. are playing yep. each other in the second right. round. So yep. I think the way this bracket is shaped up, Sterling's in a good spot here. I think it's, it's probably where you'd want to be. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if Carmel can actually win that game over, over Sycamore. I think Carmel's had a good year. They always play a tough schedule. So that'll be a, that'll be a good one to see. That'll be Saturday. So the Sterling game will be decided by then to see who that winner plays. If it is Sterling, they'll, they'll be able to watch that game and maybe scout ahead of time. So, yep. um, but I think you, yeah, you, you made a great point there. Um, Morgan Park, who is, who is in the North bracket is a really good team. Um, obviously Boylan Catholic is good too. So not to, not to take away too much from the North, but as you said, the, the real heavy hitters yeah. um, are, are playing in the second round already in the South. Yeah. I guess I was meaning specifically like the draw that Sterling has yeah, had so far you. is right. about as yep. good as you can hope, because obviously you look at, I mean, Nazareth Academy's down there at the 11 seed They're They were a state contender several years ago. I don't, did they win a state title in one of the bigger classes? I, I, I don't remember offhand now, I, but I know they probably they, they got great uniforms. I know that yeah. they got great <laughs> uniforms. So I know they're always a, you know, they've been a yeah. power program the last few years. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly talent in here, obviously, right. you know, this, this far into the season in the playoffs, you're going to see talented football teams, but uh, yep. all right, let's uh, before we jump down into three a and talk Princeton, we do want to give congratulations, shout out to Geneseo and spring Valley hall. Both of them were in the class four, a bracket Geneseo went on the long road trip to Carterville top seeded team fell short in that one. Played tough early on in that one. Mm-hmm. I was curious to see if they could pull off that upset, but Carterville's a good program. They come away with the win in that one. And then Spring Valley Hall, great that they made it into the playoffs at five and four. Mac Resetich, what a season he had. 
was able to get one touchdown against Sacred Heart Griffin, but man, Sacred Heart Griffin is just a juggernaut and they, they couldn't, you know, yeah, couldn't that's do your, quite enough against them. So yeah, that's your 4A champ. So it, it was a tough draw for, for Hall. Um, but as you mentioned, great seasons, great to see both of these programs back in the playoffs. Um, you know, both programs have state championships under their belts. So um, good to have good to have them back, and uh, we we wish them the best in the off season, and look forward to covering them again next year. Yep, absolutely. Let's jump into Class Three A, Mitch. The Princeton Tigers, the top seeded team, they go up against the number eight seed Genoa Kingston. They will stay at home Saturday, one o'clock in the jungle. Mitch, mm-hmm. have you seen? Have you seen the playoff end zone striping that they put out there every year in Princeton? It is beautiful. Yeah, I, I love the setting there in the jungle. Um, saw it ahead of time and then the the, the first uh, first round game for Princeton was the game that I watched so it looks really good under the lights too so yeah a, a great setting great that they've got two home games here to kick off their playoff campaign yeah so Mitch you got a chance to watch this one tell me uh give me the details yeah it was a typical Princeton game um you know it started off a, a little a little different um trying to think of I can't even think of it uh Piatone sorry they their offensive formation was kind of like double tight double wing and so you know fullback you know quarterback sits real low quarterbacks or sorry fullbacks right behind him wingbacks are real real tight to the line so they did a lot of misdirection you know um and and were able to control the line for a little bit but where Princeton really started to find success was to get them into situations that they had to pass because that's not Piatone's game so um, made them uncomfortable, got the win, had a weird situation where the coach got kicked out right before halftime and then got another uh, unsportsmanlike penalty at halftime, I think. So um, j- just a, a bizarre game. But by then it was over. Princeton, you know, just cruised. Tegan Davis, 11-14, 239 yards, four scores, had another one on the ground. His main target was Noah Laporte, 123 yards receiving, three touchdowns. Piatone was giving him 10 yards off the line. It was just pitch and catch. It was super easy for them. Um, the Christensen brothers, great night. Uh, Augie Christensen had two touchdowns and 71 yards. His brother, Ace, who's a sophomore, had a 75-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in the third quarter. Um, good playing time for the, the backups, the second string for Princeton. So always good to get in a playoff atmosphere and get those kids playing. And, uh, yeah, now they, now they bring in Genoa Kingston. Man, you want to talk about the key or they like what you notice about successful programs year in and year out is that you start seeing those names, right? Like as the season rolls along, it's like, oh, here's a sophomore they have that put up two scores or here's, you know what I mean? It's just like, it just, you can tell, you know, those good programs, they just have next man up there. Those kids are ready to step up and start performing. You know, we saw Tegan Davis as a sophomore you know, playing significant minutes and you knew that kid was going to be good. And now here we are. And speaking of Tegan Davis, he becomes Princeton's all-time leader in passing yards Mm -hmm. now at 3,318. So huge credit to him. And you think about a lot of times when a quarterback sets a high school record like that, it's because they've been playing quarterback since they were, you know, sophomore, maybe even a freshman, but no, Tegan Davis was a wide receiver when he started his career, you know, waiting to step in at quarterback. So just really impressive numbers for him. Yeah. um, You know, I've seen Princeton's highlights before, but this was really kind of the first game that I was really just only, you know, it was the only game I was watching. And so just seeing how comfortable Tegan Davis is in the pocket uh, and and navigating that offense is really special. 
and something that obviously gives them a leg up in any game that they play. All right, Mitch. Well, I feel like a broken record here, but uh, you did you did the research this week. You did the legwork. So Genoa Kingston, let's move into the second round matchup. What do we know about the cogs? I wish I knew what a cog was. Um, isn't it isn't it the part of a wheel? I'm not a car guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm a huge car guy, obviously. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to yeah. look that up while you're uh, talking. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So the Cogs, they uh, out of the Big Northern a conference that we've seen a lot of teams uh, here in the playoffs and talk about. They won their first round matchup, sixteen to eight, tight tight battle against Elmwood Brimfield. If you remember, Greg, they Genoa Kingston had that Week Nine win over Stillman Valley that really dropped Stillman Valley kind of uh, down in the seedings a little bit. So uh, the Cogs, they averaged 33 yards, sorry, points per game. In that first round game against Elmwood Brimfield, they ran the ball 50 times and they, they spread it out amongst several different backs. Uh, Traven Atterbury seems to be the lead back, seems to be the name that pops up, but kind of a forced in like offense, you know, that they, they've got a couple of different guys that they rely on. So um uh, I think it's going to come down to a game of who can control the clock. I think it's really both of their games to do that. So um, I liked the way Princeton defended the run against Piatone. Uh, I've liked how they've done it all year. Um, and, and again, even if they can't, does Genoa have, does Genoa Kingston have the firepower to keep up with Princeton where this season nobody has? Cause I think Princeton can score on these guys. I think they will score on them. So if even if Genoa Kingston's offense is clicking, can they keep up at the same level that Princeton does? Princeton's first round matchup against a five and four Piatone team. But now, like you said, this Genoa Kingston team sitting at seven and two, and they, they've been battle tested in the Big Northern. The Big, the Big Northern is a conference that really impresses me. When you start looking at, you know, Byron, Stillman Valley, you also had Dixon was a playoff team this year. You had Rockford Lutheran who won a playoff game, obviously in the lower class in, you know, class 1A. But either case, I mean, it's still, this big Northern has good football teams uh, like Byron, a defending state champion, right? Yep. And, and a Stillman Valley team that was undefeated till week eight or till week nine when Genoa Kingston beat them. So I, yeah, Genoa Kingston's been battle tested. Yep. On the flip side, Princeton has won convincingly, right? Every week they, they've mm -hmm. dominated seemingly. So yeah, I, I think you're you're on track there, and I think that that always bodes well in playoffs. You know, we see teams that we'll talk about Rockford Lutheran when we talk about one A um, having played a much bigger schedule, and they're going to reap the benefits of that. But I think the rebuttal in this case is that Princeton hasn't played their guys a full game yet; their first yeah. game guys a full game. You know, so now that could be not bad news, but they also haven't been in that sort of situation yet, but I have no doubt in my mind that they can play at a high level an entire game if they're forced to and can score at will against a lot of teams, if not every team they play against. So um, yeah, this, this will be interesting to see which Genoa Kingston team shows up because I think Princeton has shown nothing but what they're going to come with every single week. So really excited to see this one. Uh, this is Saturday afternoon in the jungle. Um, and, and, and again, really looking forward to seeing two really hard-nosed football teams going at it. It's, it's playoff football at its, at its finest. Yeah, absolutely. And Mitch, we should give a shout out to uh, what's the Princeton does their live streaming through YouTube. And uh, yeah. you watched it. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, Tiger, Tiger Central Live. They do a great presentation. 
um, you know, have their own, have their own graphics, have their advertisers. They've got a couple of guys, they've got sideline reporters. So yeah, it's a very nice production, uh, very, very clean presentation of the game. And uh, we, we like that. We always appreciate that. It makes it for a, a very, a very good viewing experience. And I'm sure that that's what I'll be tuned into on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I will also be tuned into that one along with uh, probably some games on it's, NHS as well. So, you know, it's, it's one of the few that can compete with Sterling. Uh, Sterling's the bar. I mean, there you you know, go. Sterling's, yep. Sterling's uh, Golden Warrior TV is the bar, uh, yep. but, but Tiger Central Live does a really, really nice job. Yeah. I, that, there you go. And I, you can watch, uh, you know, Golden Warrior TV on Friday night, and then we can uh, watch Princeton on Saturday. So along yeah. with another NFHS game at the same time. So I, Maybe multiple screens on Saturday watching games. Yeah, shout out uh, our guy, Zach Shapiro. Sorry that my Irish uh, absolutely destroyed Syracuse <laughs> on Brutal. Saturday. Brutal. Had to get it in. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, sorry, Zach. We're going we're gonna to move right along from that. But uh, all right. Staying... Oh, did, you, did you find out what a cog is? It's, it's, uh, it's part of a wheel. I, I believe it's, I can't find the exact definition and I'm going to stumble through and sound stupid. So yeah. Right. So whoever's listening, you know, shout, give us a shout out on Twitter. Let us know what a cog is, yeah. but there uh, you go. yeah. So, all right, Mitch moving along in class three, a the number seven seed Dupec goes on the road to the number two seed Reed Custer. That one will be, I believe is that Saturday at 5. PM. Yes. yes Saturday at five. So yeah, at, at Reed Custer. Yep. Yep. Correct. So the Rivermen go on the road to Reed Custer. Dupec advancing out of the first round with a convincing 52 to 8 win over Catalyst Maria. Mitch, how about this efficiency? Cooper Hoffman, 11 for 11, mm-hmm. 138 passing yards, three touchdowns. He added a rushing touchdown as well. So Ket quarter receiving touchdowns coming from Will Howard, Drew Williams, and Jackson Dietrich. So several weapons that he could look to and another strong performance on the ground from AJ Mulcahy, 97 yards and three touchdowns. So yeah. overall, Mitch, this, this Dupec Riverman team is playing great football, but man, they're going to be, they're going to be tested this week against a very strong Reed Custer program. Yeah. Before we get into that. And, and again, this is, goes back to Sterling and what we'll talk to here in, in other games, Chicago Calus Maria, another CPL team. Yep. Another team that just, and again, I don't mean any disrespect to the players or the program. It's just what you play in the regular season did not look like they were a three, a playoff team to me at all. Um, this was over by halftime. You know, th- this was an easy, easy win for Dupec. So um, it just, again, goes to my, my thoughts on CPL football when you're playing in the ISSA playoffs against teams from good conferences. Well, and Reed Custer also had a win over Chicago right. Carver. Mitch, right. they Reed Custer starting offense had 14 plays and they scored seven touchdowns out of those 14 plays. So yeah, that's that's efficiency there. So <laughs> yeah. another game that was over, I think it was was it like 63 nothing at half, something like that. It, it was it was a blowout. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. Again, just goes to the CPL. It's the last I'll talk about it until we talk about the win, but. Um, but again, that those are tune-up games in round one for both of these teams, right? So you can't really get a good gauge almost of how good either team really is. And again, these, these teams will have plenty of weeks of tape of their opponents. Um, but both teams convincing. So good tune-up, 
offense is rolling, defense is playing well for both of these programs. So both teams should be coming into the second round matchup fully rested, fully ready to go. Because I think both teams at full strength, it'll be an exciting football game, no doubt about it. Yeah. So you look at, you know, conference scheduling. Reed Custer plays a bigger enrollment schedule than Dupec does. That's not a real surprise. I think when Dupec ends up being one of the smaller schools in the 3A field and combine it with kind of geographically where they're located in their conference, they are the biggest team in the NUIC. But you look at this Reed Custer team, they come from the Illinois Central 8 Conference. Their conference, their biggest win of the year, their biggest conference win of the year was against the defending state champions, Wilmington. Mitch, they beat Wilmington 50-5. to Mm-hmm. That's a really yeah. good Wilmington program that Reed Custer just dominated. I mm-hmm. I was impressed with Reed Custer a year ago. I've been impressed with him this year. And talking to Kyle Kampmeyer on our um, playoff preview show on YouTube, he he agreed. He's really been impressed with Reed Custer all year. I think he said he's had him ranked up at number one all year long. Yeah. So right, this is a program that's been building over the last few years, and they're there. They look really tough. Yeah, really. really- a, a lot of dynamic players on their roster, but uh, you look at Jake McPherson, the dual threat quarterback, three-year starter. So that there's your experience there. Um, just over 1,100 yards passing, 20 touchdowns. Um, again, kind of Tegan, da- Tegan Davis syndrome doesn't play a lot in the fourth yeah. quarter. So yep. putting a big, putting a big numbers in limited time. Um, also has 600 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, you're, you're talking almost 2000 all purpose yards and almost 30 touchdowns. Uh, Jace Christian yeah, seems to be their running back, 691 yards, 17 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, for an offense that is over 3,000 yards, Greg, and 50 touchdowns, just a rushing team, or sorry, a rushing attack, I should say, over 3,000 yards on the ground and 50 touchdowns. So um, this is a team that can hit you in, in both ways. So Dupac's defense is really going to have to play well. They've shown they can do it, um, but this might be the most talented team they've faced all year. Yeah, so Mitch, in doing a little bit of reading on Reed Custer, what I found interesting was their head coach right now, Gavin Johnston, in his sixth year as Comets head coach, mm-hmm. he played, he was the quarterback for the Reed Custer team in 2006 that fell short to Bureau Valley in overtime in a second round playoff game in, in Manlius mm-hmm. at Bureau Valley, a game I was at, a great game. Um, unfortunately, I think it was my first stop of multiple stops that day. So I was not there for the end, but I did yeah. see... You know, I did see well, the oh, first quarter. Oh, six. That would have been BV state championship team too. Uh, was it, they might've fell short that year. They won it the year before, I believe. I think in 06, they lost to. I thought they Plano. lost no, I thought they lost no five to, or did they lose no four to Driscoll? I'm pretty sure they won in 06. Almost positive. Let's see. In 2006, were they been a three A back? Yeah. They lost, yeah, in 06, they lost to Plano, 49-7 to in the semis. Okay. Yep. Huh. I believe Nick Bull was there. They must have won in 05 then. Because um, yes, I, I, believe... I remember playing against a Bureau Valley team that won yep. state. That must have been 05 then. Yep. I believe that is correct. So Okay. Either way. Anyway, yes. So just interesting note there. But here's what I wanted to bring up about this Reed Custer program. Last season, everybody remembers that Byron defeated IC Catholic on their way to a state title. One of the best games of the year. Mm-hmm. What maybe most would consider an upset because everybody thought mm-hmm. IC Catholic was going to roll through. And they were. They were a great team. Byron was able to beat them at their place. They go on to win. What I think maybe is 
quickly forgotten from last year. Reed Custer fell short 28-24 in the final seconds to Byron the game before that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what if Reed Custer is the one that comes away with that win against Byron? What do they do against IC Catholic? Who knows? You know, it just is really interesting to see how close they were a year ago to maybe making that big statement. And you right. know, now here they are. I, I think they're a, a really good football team. I think Dupec is a really good football team. It's very well coached. I hope the best for the Rivermen. This, this certainly is a challenge. You know, when you step into a loaded 3A bracket, we knew this was going to happen, right? We knew mm-hmm. there was going to be these matchups. So, yeah, certainly Reed Custer being one of the favorites uh, that, we, that we talked about coming into this, uh, this playoffs. So, again, I have been impressed with Dupec this year. They're going to have to play at their top against Reed Custer. Yep. All right, well, let's move into Class 2A. Mitch, we got a couple of winners, a couple of games to talk about here. Rock Ridge goes on the road to Bloomington Central Catholic. That one will be Saturday at 1 o'clock. Rock Ridge got the win 42-14 to over Sterling Newman. Peyton Locke ended up with 170 yards and four touchdowns in that one. Connor Deem finished with 92 rushing yards. Alex Zarlatanis added 82 more yards. A total of 348 rushing yards for Rock Ridge. So they continue to play well. They move into the second round in this matchup against Bloomington Central Catholic. They got the win in overtime, 27-26 over Mercer County. This was maybe one of the best games of the first round, especially in our area, at least. Yeah, um, really, really tight game. As you mentioned, went to overtime. Mercer County ended up scoring first. I don't know the circumstances on why they went for two. Didn't get it. They tried to run. If it failed, uh, the, I believe that the Saints, Bloomington Central Catholic, goes down to score, kicks the extra point, game over. So, um, uh, again, a really, really, really close game. We, we thought Bloomington Central was going to be pretty good. Um, the, again, a team that played a really tough schedule uh, coming in. Uh, but we also knew Mercer County was good. So that was a great game. Their quarterback, Colin Hayes, a uh, bit of a dual threat, 136 yards rushing, three touchdowns in that one, seven to 10 passing for 84. So, um, uh, again, I think this will be Peyton Locke is healthy. Connor Deem's playing well. Uh, as you mentioned, Zarl Tannis has, has had such a, a good year. So I've been so impressed with Rock Ridge all season, even their, their week one loss to Princeton, um, that I, I am curious to see if, if Bloomington Central can stop them just the way that they've been playing Rockridge defense, obviously a Newman offense that, that we weren't overly impressed with all year and really shut them down. But Rockridge has played, has played great defense all, all season. So um, I'm expecting a really good game here, but again, I, I like Rockridge, I like the way that they've been playing with a healthy Peyton lock. And uh, we're hoping to be talking about them in the quarterfinals. Yeah. I think for me, the key is for Rockridge, what's impressed us in the last few weeks is that they've jumped out on teams, right? They've gotten yeah. that big lead. They've really taken over momentum early in a game, and then their defense is able to slow a team down, not let them get back in it. I think that's that's everything for Rockridge, right? You build that mm-hmm. confidence early, get your offense rolling. I think, man, when you got – I saw it in the second half of that Sherrard game when they really got things rolling with Connor Deem at quarterback, and that was still before he really had time to practice and really work on things. But I think now that he's really had time to get settled in at quarterback, you know, I do think there's, you know, there's potential there. We've seen it. We've seen the potential, obviously. So I think it's, it's a tough challenge against Bloomington Central Catholic. 
But I think that based on what we saw in the first round game against Mercer County, Rockridge should absolutely be in this. And I think that, they, you know, they can come away with this win. Yep. Well, where, where are they looking here if they do advance? So if Rockridge wins, advances, they would go up against either Moreau Forsyth, who's the top seed, or the number eight seed, Farmington. Mm-hmm. So interesting there to note that, you know, Farmington, Mercer County beat Farmington to start the year. So I think, right. you know, I, now I will say on the other, on the other side of that matchup, Moreau Forsyth is undefeated right now and they seem like the real deal. So I, I yeah, really, <laughs> really good as always. Yeah. I would suspect that they will be the ones moving on, mm-hmm. but I think that, you know, if Rockridge can come away with this one, they will certainly be battle tested heading into a matchup against Moreau Forsyth. And I would believe Moreau Forsyth has hosted both their games. So that game would be at Rock Ridge. So right. yep. again, coaches, players can't look ahead, but, but we can. So, you know, right. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, well, Mitch, let's move down the bracket to Knoxville, the number seven seed. They advance to face, to go on the road to the number two seed, Bismarck Henning, Rossville, Alvin. That, that's all a lot of names, a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, know the Rossville Alvin part. I always knew Bismarck Henning, but here we are. So yeah, I thought I, I always, you know, have trouble with Rova Williamsfield. And now we've got more, you know, more names here because they're not acronymed. So uh <laughs> BHRA, let's say that. But um yep. in, in the first round game for Knoxville, they they looked impressive against Menden Unity, jumped out to a 20-nothing lead, didn't look back, rushed for 414 yards. Stop me if that doesn't sound like an Knoxville game. Yeah. Oscar Young had 209 yards on 27 carries, three touchdowns. Jackson Johnson, 114 yards. Um, Braden Downs did have a catch, 48 yards, so they, they were able to throw the ball just a little bit. But that defense, that Knoxville defense, allowed only 153 yards. Greg kept the Mustangs out of the Knoxville side of the field until midway through the third quarter. Yeah, that's really impressive. That's an impressive stat. Mitch, you mentioned Braden Downs, one catch, 48 yards. His stats on the year are crazy to me because he's put up some big numbers, but it's all like one or two catches for 30, 40 yards at a time. I mean, when they needed an explosive play, that connection between Honeycutt at quarterback and Braden Downs at wide receiver, it's, it's a real threat. I mean, it's, well, yeah, you rush for 400 yards a game. You're going to set yourself up for a play action pass or something like that. So, well, that's that's what I was going to say. Right. Absolutely. And the fact that, you know, a lot of times that's a great, you know, thought to have that let's run, run, run. And then when they're not expecting it, we're going to throw over the top of them. But a lot of times these teams down in 1A and 2A don't have the ability to do it, right? They just, Mm -hmm. they don't have the connection at quarterback and wide receiver to make it happen consistently. What I've been impressed with is the Blue Bullets do. They're getting that job done. Great game for Oscar Young. I mean, we've talked a lot about Jackson Johnson's, you know, stats and numbers that he's put up. Oscar Young has been right there alongside him, and he really had a breakout game in this playoff performance. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great sign. I think if you're Knoxville, that you're kind of, you know, diversifying your offense a little bit. You have multiple weapons out there. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, BHRA edged out five and four. I got it all in there. BHRA yeah, right. <laughs> edged out five and four Westville. 43-35. That's a team they beat in week eight, 52 to seven. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I don't know what you read into that, but what I will say is, does that give Knoxville 
a little bit more momentum coming into this, knowing that they seem to be the one riding the wave here. Yeah, I don't know if 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 BHRE's result gives Knoxville momentum. I just think the way that Knoxville has been playing, right? They probably went into week nine not expecting to come out of it as a a tri champion of the LTC, um, and then played really really well against Menden Unity. So. I, I've just been impressed with how Knoxville has been playing these past couple of weeks specifically. So I think they've had that momentum, right? Yep. Um, so does it give them maybe an edge? Possibly. I, I don't know much about Westville, but that's quite the turnaround, right? To to lose 52-7 one week and then keep it close in the playoffs. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Knoxville on the road in this one Saturday afternoon. Um, looking forward to it. But it, it, again, I, I like just how Knoxville has been playing recently. Really good offense, uh, complemented with a really good defense. Those are your top two, you know, uh, qualities you want to have in the playoffs. And it, it served them well in round one. Looking forward to seeing if they can do it again here in the second round. Yeah. I, I just said round one. I just said round one. <laughs> First Man, round, fail. second round. Fail. I'm not going to edit that out. Nope. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, looking down at the other end of the bracket here, if Knoxville is able to get by Bismarck, Henning, Rossville, Alvin, uh, they will really have a tough test then in the quarterfinals. Wilmington or Downs Tri-Valley. So that yeah. would be the three-seed Wilmington or the six-seed Downs Tri-Valley. Two very good programs we've talked about a lot over the years. You know, Wilmington, the defending state champion, obviously a great program. So mm-hmm. You know, the test will get very real next week, but, uh, you know, they got a road test to pass this week and, uh, you know, best of luck to the blue bullets. Like you said, they've been playing really good football. So this is the time of year to be doing it. So, yep. Yep. No doubt about it. Let's jump into class one, a Mitch, the Fulton steamers, the number four seed goes on the road to 12 seed Rockford Lutheran game time for this one, one o'clock Saturday, November 5th, Mitch Fulton gets the win over Aurora Christian in the first round, 38 to 13. Coach Patrick Lower said his offense was incredible and they did a great job of mixing the run and the pass. I think, Mitch, that the balance attack from Fulton has been what, you know, we've always kind of been impressed with, right? Out of the NUIC, you have, you know, a team like Dupec, which does pass a lot and, you know, mixes in the run. They can run very well. Obviously, they're pretty balanced. But overall, you know, most other teams are run heavy and Fulton mm-hmm. is really the other team that really does balance it out. And they've done it really well on the other side of the ball. They're going to be tested now with this Rockford Lutheran team. Rockford Lutheran got the win 35 to 19 over Anawan Weathersfield. David Ballard had a 99 yard interception return for a touchdown for Rockford Lutheran. That was really a crushing blow on a scoring chance for the Titans when they were already leading seven, nothing. So Mm -hmm. just a, you know, bad time for a play like that to happen when you're about to go up two scores, but this is an impressive Rockford Lutheran team. I think when we were going down the class one, a bracket, they certainly stood out to us as a team that had been, Mm -hmm. you know, battle tested. Yeah. To, to beat a team like Anawan Weathersfield, um, you know, call it what it is as soundly as they did. It's impressive. It's not going to go unnoticed. So it, it, we kind of talked about when we were talking about uh, Genoa playing a, a, a tougher schedule there in the Big Northern. This is a little bit of a different ball game because you have that same sort of dynamic that Rockford Lutheran played in the Big Northern, but now they're playing against 1A competition. So, yeah. Um, again, doesn't mean that their enrollment's any 
any different because they're still playing with the same number of kids as, as other people in as other teams in one a, but again, that experience factor. So, but I've been really, really impressed with Fulton too. So this, this is a, this is a good, a good test for both teams, I think, because the winner would advance to Lee win if Lee win beats Rova. Um, and, and that would set up a very, very big game. The Fulton and Lee win played a good game in the regular season. Obviously if Rockford Lutheran wins coming off of a win against Fulton, we'll be certainly impressed with that. And it could be a, a contender to compete with Lee win. We, we don't know at this point. So I think this is a good measuring stick for both teams um, and really looking, looking forward to it. Um, Fulton, again, the way that they've been playing, the way that they played it in, in round one, like what they're doing, but Rockford Lutheran sneaky, sneaky here in one A. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've said Rockford Lutheran is battle tested, but come on, Fulton plays in the Northwest of right. Illini. Like right. obviously they've been battle tested as well. So, right. you know, this is a really intriguing matchup. Like you said, I'm excited to watch that one. And Mitch, before we move along, we do have to give a shout out to Anawan Weathersfield linebacker, Matthew Sentney. He, he tweeted at us his season long highlights from huddle. Mitch, 120 plus tackles. Mm, yeah. Man, so, some college coach, if you're listening, get this kid on your defense next year, man. That, what, what a, you know, just awesome football player, right? right? I mean, he's just, he flies all over the field. Those numbers are eye popping. Yeah. Having, having a nose of the ball like that is a, a special quality to have. So, yeah, we're happy to, to share that. Uh, obviously one of the more dynamic defensive players that we, we've covered. So we, we wish him the best of luck. A great year for Anon Weathersfield, despite the loss, you know, can't take away a, a co-conference championship for them. So um, great season for, for Matthew, great season for the Titans. Um, but again, ultimately here Saturday at one, this Fulton Rockford Luther team, maybe one of the most intriguing games here of the second round. Yep. Well, Mitch, you, you mentioned it earlier, Fulton and Rockford Lutheran, the winner would go on to play either Lena Winslow, the number one seed, or Rova Williamsfield at the number eight seed. Let's jump into that one real quick. Sure. Rova Williamsfield got the win over Stark County on Friday night. Mitch, were you watching some of this one? Yeah, they had this one on NFHS. Um, this, was, this was a good game for the Cougars, right? They, they beat Stark County in the regular season rematch here in the playoffs round one Cougars had a great night behind their, their always great offensive line, always great offensive line. The big fellows up front, 242 yards on the ground. It was that stout defense though, that they've shown this season kept start County in check. Uh, Bertelshofer led the way 137 yards. I rushing. believe it's Bertels chauffeur, Bertels chauffeur, excuse me, 137 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, but again, that defensive attack, Luke Nelson, Brody Bledsoe, Bertel chauffeur, uh, all had over seven tackles apiece, so they're gonna need to do that again, right? Um, against yep. this Lena team who has taken care of business all year, didn't really have to do a whole lot in their round one game, so they're gonna be coming in completely fresh with their stable of backs. So the Cougars are really gonna have to put up not just this type of defensive performance, but exceed anything that they've done all year to really have a chance in this one not saying it's not possible we just know what lena winslow is capable of when they are in full attack mode because i don't even think they were and they won 42 to 8 in the first round yeah i will say you know the positives coming in for rova williams field this team this program players coaches everybody they're riding 
all the confidence in the world right now, right? Like they make the playoffs as the Robo Williams Field co-op for the first time, and they get a playoff win. Obviously, the first one in the in the short history of this co-op. And Mitch, like we talked about, this is a program that had struggled the last few years. So for them to be kind of riding that wave again, we talked about kind of riding that wave of momentum and confidence. I think that, you know, see where that can take you. They're obviously, they're underdogs in this. I don't think there's any secret around that, but you know, you do what you can, you go on the road and I think you play, you know, you play, you play your heart out, you know, give it everything you got there. You know, Lena, Lena, the, the scouting report, I guess, on Lena would be on the defensive side that they don't get tested through the air a lot. So can Riley Danner have some success? Maybe that's their game plan. I, I don't know uh, what what they plan on doing, but they the Cougars have certainly shown that they can have success through the air. They might need to do it against the Panthers to have a shot here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know Riley Danner. We've talked about him all year. His numbers are impressive, and yeah, they can they can spread you out and they can throw the ball around a little bit. So see if they can have success against Lena Winslow. Obviously there's no secret Lena Winslow. They're going to run right at you and Mm -hmm. you got to find a way to stop it. And there's not a lot of programs that have figured it out over the last few years. So, you know, this one Saturday, one o'clock in Lena, Mitch, have you been to a playoff game or a football game at Lena Winslow? Never in person. No, I've, I've seen it. um, But that, that doesn't compare to, uh, to being there. Yeah, it's great. I mean, obviously because of, you know, the talent that they bring to the field, but, and the, you know, the community is so bought into it now because of everything. And it's, it's, it's a great place to see a football game. So uh, yep. That one Saturday, one o'clock. Well, Mitch, the other side of this bracket, we have uh, three other uh, or a couple other NUIC teams here, Forreston and Dakota. We'll start with Forreston. Yeah. They go on the road or they will host Chicago Hope Academy. So Saturday, two o'clock in Forest, another Forest, another great place to see a playoff football game. Mm-hmm. Forreston will host the undefeated uh, Chicago Hope, uh, the Eagles. I, I was going to say yeah. it, and then I someone, yeah, <laughs> some sort of bird. Okay, all right, yes, the birds. That's yeah. So Chicago Hope undefeated this year. Yeah, but Forreston, Mitch, this was a team, a sneaky five and four team. And man, did they prove that on Saturday against St. Bede? They, yeah, we they just it was <laughs> go ahead, yeah. I mean, they just it, it was almost game. again, no disrespect to Prue St. Bede, but it was almost expected just because we kept saying that Forreston was a team you did not want to see in the first round at all, and they completely took the Bruins out of their comfort zone, just completely didn't let them get any sort of momentum, didn't let John Brady get into any sort of rhythm. Um, controlled the entire game. I mean, scoring on every offensive possession that they had. That's crazy. Multiple, when I read that, I read that right. headline. That's crazy. Anyway, keep going. Multiple 10 plus play 65 plus yard drives. So just controlling the clock. And again, kept the Bruins off the field. Didn't let them get in any rhythm. This they've shown that they, they can be really good. They had a great season at seven and three, um, 288 yards on the ground for the Cardinals. Um, now again, I'm going to say Johnny Cobbler. Is it Kobler? <laughs> I believe we it were is. Corrected, yeah, we were I, corrected I, on this. It's Kobler, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so our 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 guy Johnny Johnny Kobler, uh, 149 yards and 17 carries as he's you know been their lead back all season. Yep. So, um, but an intriguing matchup here because we've always kind of been intrigued by Hope all season. 
not knowing how good they were. They're not a CPL team, but again, a 118 from Chicago typically has not fared all that well. Um, you and I both watched a special on them from WGN from yep. this week. Um, they seem like they're a real fun team to root for. A great group of kids, a lot of talent, um, a lot of talent. Eddie Jenkins Jr. is their quarterback. Uh, Judah Mallet, Millet, Mallet, is it Millet? Maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Yep. I Mallet. think it's Millet. I think it's Millet. He's the, okay. he's the head coach's son. Dynamic receiver. He's got offers to Iowa and, and, and Illinois. So they do have talent. They have a lot of talent. What they don't have is a very good strength of schedule. They, and again, they've only played one team with a winning record, and that was Marquette, which you saw that game. Um, I listened to it. Yeah, I heard listen a little to it. Okay, listen yeah. to it. Um, but six of their opponents had two wins or less. So that's where my hesitation comes in. Again, they, they, they put up the points, right? Um, they've got talent. But have they played a team like Forreston? No. They haven't. There's there's no debate in that. They haven't played a team like yep. Forreston. So if Forreston does what they did against Bruce St. Bede and keeps hope off the field, I don't see how it's going to be close. I, I really don't um, yeah. because I just don't think that hope has played a team like Forreston. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. So here's what's really interesting to me is that this is hope's ninth straight playoff appearance. So mm-hmm. they're, they're no, you know, there's no secret they're, they're you know they've been they're around good program. Now. They're, yeah, a good program. they're a good program but what i think is interesting a year ago they lost in the first round mm-hmm. to same bead mm-hmm. so just a year ago they lost to same bead now i know different year some different players but you know a lot of the same players are still out there and look what forest just did to same bead right it just goes back to the narrative again of of small school Chicago teams, when they get up against teams outside of the area, they don't fare that well. Yep. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from hope. Like I said, if we can, at Weaver, I don't think we retweeted or liked it, but if you went to, I think it's shy hope football. If you go to their Twitter account, you can see the link to the story. Great group of kids seem like they're a very tight group of players, yep. um, players that have probably played together for a while. Um, but again, they just haven't faced somebody like Forreston and I think that's what's going to give the Cardinals the edge yeah so I think when you know when you look at you know the makeup of this hope team you obviously talked about Eddie Jenkins and Mallette at wide receiver Mallet, however we pronounce it but either way two dynamic you know athletes as weapons they also do have a very big line especially on mm-hmm. defense so they're bigger but I, I don't think that phases an NUIC football team, right? No. I mean, I like that's especially Forreston, right? Of any NUIC team, I don't think right. that part's going to phase them. Like line play, they're going to be okay. Forreston's going to hold their own regardless. That's what they're built to do. That's what they're coached for, you know, or mm-hmm. ready for. What I noticed in the stats that uh, Keenan Janicki sent over to us, Forreston has outscored opponents this season 138 to 45 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. If they can jump out quickly on this hope team and then play ball control football, they're moving on. I, I yeah. can't see, I can't see how hope would be able to overcome this Forreston program or this Forreston team if they don't have the ball in their hands. If Forreston right. holds the ball for that long, which they're capable of doing. What I also thought was really interesting, Keenan Janicki had an interview with Kevin Hieronymus from the Bureau, Bureau County Republican after the game. And his quote was, 
against St. Bede, we controlled the ball, we controlled the time, and that's exactly what we wanted to do. And he said, usually, we're no huddle. We're up and moving. But we decided the last couple of weeks to slow it down, and that's exactly what we did. So I think that quote says everything to me, mm-hmm. is that this Forreston team now has made a conscious effort to slow it down. If Hope doesn't have the ball, they're not nearly as likely to score, correct? Forreston's right. not going to turn the ball over. So if you don't have the ball in your hand, if your offensive playmakers don't have the chance to score, if you limit their opportunities, I think this plays right into Forreston's hands. Yeah, I, I think so too. So um, look, again, looking forward to it. They, the Hope could completely prove us wrong as we've had questions about them and how good they actually were all year, that this is their chance to show us any different. And it could happen. It certainly could happen. Um, it's just that for me, the, the strength of schedule isn't there where Forreston's is and the style of play gives Forreston the edge. Yeah. I will say, I, you know, you've kind of showed me or talked me into you're right. They haven't played the strength of schedule that a lot of the other teams that we talk about have, but man, going back to just seeing some of their highlights or listening to some of their games and the way they played out, I have been really impressed with their, you know, their big playability, their, their, their ability to score quickly mm-hmm. is, is something that can be very dangerous. Marquette saw it firsthand, you know, in the game that Marquette played against them, they were scoring a lot in that one. And I think Marquette has a pretty solid defense all the way around and they looked really good in that one. So I I've been impressed with their ability to score quickly and to use those athletes and to get them in the space they need to score. But again, going back to what I talked about, I, I think that, Forreston has a way to control this game. And if they do that yeah. effectively, I do see them coming away with this one. Well, the only other game to talk about on this Northern side of the bracket in the second round, Ottawa Marquette, the three seed will go up against uh, the number 11 seed Dakota. They'll go on the road. Let's start with Dakota, Mitch. They get yeah. the win. They get the win on the road at Iroquois West, 16-14. Tell me a little bit about the story of this game. This is a great win for the Indians in their program. Yeah, um, Iroquois West, a team with a huge line um, that Dakota was kind of over to overcome late, but the Indians were up 14 nothing in the third. Uh, or sorry, sorry, the Indians were down 14 nothing in the third. They get one back in the quarter. Um, but the big, the big credit here in the in the entire game, and then in most crucially late was the Indian defense. Right, uh, they forced three turnovers and two turnovers on down. So you have five turnovers all together. Most crucial of which was a forced fumble late in the fourth, I think right around five minutes or so. Adrian Arellano ended up scoring off of that. And he got the two point conversion, which pushed them ahead to 16, 14. And then again, it was that Indian defense. Iroquois West drove a little bit. I think they got past the 50 and uh, Dakota was able to bat down some, some passes, um, towards the end because I know Iroquois West is a good kicker and so they they were trying to get into that at least field goal range but the Dakota defense denied that so this was an unbelievable game um great playoff victory here for Dakota great to see them back in the playoffs back with a victory here and ultimately hosting uh, a playoff game where they've had a lot of success yeah I mean a huge win for Dakota huge win for head coach Dan Sheets in his first year you know Mm -hmm. at the at the the helm here and to yeah to be able to bring his playoff team, you know, his team into the playoffs, get a win and now get a home game. Huge. I mean, it just huge 
you know, swing for this program, a Dakota program that was, you know, really hungry for success and to get back to, you know, where they feel like they should be in the NUIC. So mm-hmm. uh, credit to them. They go up against Otto Marquette, the number three seed. Mitch, do you want to sing again or do you want to just, are you good? Yeah, one time was enough, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. all right, just, just double checking. So, yeah. So this one will be one o'clock on Saturday in Dakota. Mm-hmm. Marquette got the win over Morrison. Mitch, were you following along with this one? I was kind of out of the loop on Saturday, but I knew that my dad was texting me a little bit and I, I think you were kind of following along. Marquette yeah. was able to overcome some early mistakes and then they really contained Morrison in the second half coming away with the 20 to six win. Yeah. Hard hitting game um, between two, you know, really good programs who traditionally have played against one another. Obviously Marquette used to be in the, whatever it was called. It was big, big rivers, rivers, three rivers, three yeah. rivers, whatever it was. So um, yeah, Morrison lets six, nothing at the break. And then, you know, um, halftime talk, whatever it might've been, they, they made all the adjustments they needed to. Um, I think they scored and I'll have to, I'm going to look up the running backs name really quick. They ran two of the same type of trap play. Um, Gurney, Gurney Reed was the running back. Journey, yep. Journey, Journey Reed. Reed, sorry. Journey Reed. Yep. Um, same style of trap play that we, that we know that, uh, coach Yups draws up, has drawn up for decades yep. now. Um, and he scored, I think one was like 28 yards. One was 50 some yards. So they really found, uh, you know, found what was working for them. So, um, yeah, great win, uh, uh, great setting too. Saw some pictures from this game, which leads me to the other point on Saturday. Yes. It was like a perfect playoff weather day, right? Every yeah. single picture, every single picture I saw, every video I saw was like picturesque Illinois football on a Saturday. So that was great. Well, Mitch, that's what I told you last week. Gould Stadium. It's beautiful, right? You saw I it. I saw it at night. I don't know. I'll well, take now, your word for you, it. I played there I'm at saying, night. Now you've seen pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> with, with, the win, with the win, too, um, 100th win. For, for coach there at Worthy Yeah, Field. so Coach Yups gets his 100th win at Marquette. And it, I mean, that's the turnaround he's had with that program since he's taken over is remarkable. So they yeah. wear they wear the Roman numeral 16 on their helmet because mm-hmm. the first year he started at Marquette, they had 16 football players. Okay. And now look at where they've come. You know, now yeah. they have a full sideline and they're winning games. You know, they're winning, you know, every year. So yeah, and I imagine he had 100 wins at Morrison, too. I would have to think. I'd have to look. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way. Um, just, a, just An amazing career. I mean, he's oh, been, yeah. you know, an amazing career. Yeah, looking at this bracket now, Greg, we've talked about every single second-round matchup in the 1A North. We have teams involved in all four of those games. Yeah, And yeah. probably have a chance to – well, at least have one, right? Otto Marquette, Dakota, one of those teams will be moving on. Yep. We could potentially be talking about all four teams in the quarterfinals being teams that we cover. So that would be something that we expected, right? And that'd be cool. That'd be really, really cool to see. A lot of fun. I was going to say, I mean, I think there's a there's a chance that it's all four are NUIC teams in that quarterfinal. Yeah. It, it, at, at, at worst, you know, teams that we cover, right? Obviously, Rova yeah. and, and Lena one of those two will be a team that we've always covered. So they'll yep. be in the court. So two, so two teams we know that we'll be covering in the quarterfinals. It could be yeah. all four. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this Dakota Marquette game plays out. I think that, you know, you kind of saw it and we, we saw it in this game against Morrison. 
Marquette is so well coached and well prepared. And even in, even when the game doesn't go their way in the beginning, I think that that combination of coaching along with the experience that this team has, they're not phased, right? They, they know, mm-hmm. they know what they need to do. They know, and they're able to execute these, these players have playoff experience. They have big game experience. Now on the flip side, this Dakota team is playing, you know, with all sorts of confidence now, and they're not your standard, you know, grounded pound NUIC team that we've seen out of Dakota in years past. They've really become more balanced. Caden Niedermeyer has some impressive stats out of the quarterback position. And obviously Adrian Arellano has been, you know, a weapon on the ground running the ball and as a wide receiver. So Mm -hmm. curious to see who has the advantage in line play, right? I think that becomes a key because both, both these programs have, you know, dynamic athletes that can make plays who wins the line of scrimmage i that's i'm really curious to see that and i think that goes a long way in this one yeah yeah looking like you said looking forward to seeing that two really good really good teams um and playing in a really really fun environment at dakota in playoff playoff mode so yeah looking forward to all four of those quarter for uh, second round games yep well mitch we've talked all about the second round are you ready to move into the eight man quarterfinals Yeah, that's easier to remember. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into the quarterfinals. Let's start with Amboy going on the road to Milford Cisna Park. Amboy gets the big 48 to nothing win over Blue Ridge. Mitch, a great story for the Clippers. Their only senior on the roster, Tucker Lindenmeyer. He's back at the quarterback position. He completes eight of 12 passing in the first, in the opening round game, 148 yards all in the first half, two touchdowns and an interception. He also ran it twice for 13 yards, converted a pair of two-point conversions, but just a huge boost for the Clippers. Yeah, uh, Amboy was number one when he was healthy, and things turned a little bit when when he was out. But also credit to Amboy to overcome that, right? Such a good player, and Tucker Lindemeyer went out for a handful of weeks, and they still, you know, almost – kept the status quo, right. With the, with the gauntlet of a regular season yep. schedule. So with him back um, really intriguing game here against MCP where, where Linda Meyer was hurt when they played in the regular season. So a uh, bit of revenge on the mind for the Clippers. Um, this, this will be fun. This will be a good game. Yeah. And I believe that um, Milford system park was banged up a little bit too. I believe they had an impact okay. player that was out for a while and now he's back and healthy. So this, you know, really could be, it's another great matchup. There's so many good matchups. Yeah. You know? We sound like a broken record when we talk about eight man, but it just, it is it, pay attention because it is. Yep. So looking that game is uh, in the middle, middle of the bracket there up on the top, the four and the five seed, the winner of that game would play either Decatur Lutheran or the number eight seed St. Thomas Moore. So St. Thomas Moore got the win over the nine seed Pawnee. That game was really kind of a toss up game. St. Both teams, Pawnee and St. Thomas Moore, have really been tested this year. Mm-hmm. It's St. Thomas Moore coming away with the win. But Mitch, I think the story on that top half of the bracket, Decatur Lutheran and sure. uh, and their their running back Leighton Miller. Holy cow! I mean, he runs out of the wildcat, you know, yeah. kind of quarterback position. But his numbers every week are unreal. Give me the give me the rundown on this week. Yeah, let me give you his week, and then let me give you his year. Uh, yeah. this, this, this week in the 70 to 46 win over Martinsville, 24 carries 405 yards and seven touchdowns on the year, Greg, 3,200, 
47 yards, 49 touchdowns. Man, 49 touchdowns. And I know it's eight man, so there's a little more scoring, but man, give the kid credit. He is he is a wrecking crew for this yeah. Decatur Lutheran team. They look, only is he a junior? Only a junior, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he he is really doing I mean, some getting, great work. Getting impressive looks, which you might not get a whole lot in eight man football, but he's getting, yeah. you know, college looks. Yeah. Well, it seems very well deserved. Right. So that is, like I said, Decatur Lutheran will meet up against St. Thomas More, and then Milford Sisda Park and Amboy will meet up in the 4 5 matchup. On the bottom half of these quarterfinal brackets, speaking of a team playing really well, West Central, the number two seed, will go up against the number seven seed, Milledgeville. This one will be in Biggsville. Mm-hmm. So West Central got the win 72 to 16 in the opening round over South Beloit. Caden Drosty, 353 yards on 10 carries, seven touchdowns. So he's going touchdown for touchdown with Leighton Miller there. Yeah, are they Gator. Are, are they on? Could they meet in the championship? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They okay. could. Yep. Okay. What, yeah, I, what, again, not to say that, that that's going to happen, but what a, what, what a, I would like to see that matchup. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people have kind of circled, you know, in their minds yeah. that that one could be a, end up being the game. Um, also for the Heat, Mason Carnes added 113 yards and seven carries with a touchdown. Parker Meldrum, 78 yards and a touchdown. He does great work on offense and on defense. So the Biggsville West Central will play host to Milledgeville. Milledgeville got the win 52 to 10 or 52 to three over Scioto West Prairie. With just over a minute left to play in the first half of this game, this Saturday playoff game, Milledgeville lined up to receive a kickoff after a West Prairie field goal. Up to that point, pretty low scoring, pretty close game. Caden John, Kaysen Johnson takes the opening, takes that kickoff back for a touchdown, 86 yards. That ignites four touchdowns in the last two minutes and 30 seconds. Ooh. I mean, just a crazy flip for Milledgeville. They're an explosive team, and they certainly did it right there when they needed to. Yeah, we've seen Kaysen Johnson uh, call it a lot of times on, if it's not a kick return, you know, scoring in multiple ways. So, yeah, a dynamic player. Um, just another, you know, one of many that Millersville has. So this this will be an exciting game. Um, West Central won the regular season matchup pretty pretty handily, right? Yep. 64-36. Millersville wasn't completely healthy then. So um, looking forward to seeing this with, with Millersville to have all their playmakers back um, and hopefully at full full speed because they'll, they'll need it against a really good Heat team. I think, you know, I watched that West Central Milledgeville game in the regular season. And it, you're right. It ended up getting kind of away. It, it got away from Milledgeville. But I think in the eight-man game, some of these scores can be a little deceiving, right? Like mm-hmm. a game can get away from you quickly. And then, the, you know, a team really, you know, kind of runs it up without, without the negative connotation. They just end up scoring a bunch, you know. And now credit to West Central. They made the stops. They looked really impressive on defense that day. And they really were not letting Milledgeville get by. I mean, anytime they ra- they were wrapping up a ball carrier as soon as they made contact, they weren't missing tackles. Mm-hmm. So that credit to them. But I say that, you know, maybe with a fully healthy Milledgeville now, does that make a difference? I don't know. It's a tough test. They're going on the road to West Central. I think this West Central team, maybe even slightly more than Decatur Lutheran, is the most well-rounded team. They have the most weapons. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas Decatur Lutheran has the dynamic weapon in Leighton Miller. I don't know. They have as many playmakers as West Central does. Certainly yeah. Milledgeville is right there. They're, they're right there with them. And on any given day, I think in the eight man game, you can see a team come away with a big win. This one's really interesting to me. So we'll see, see how it plays out. Mitch, the winner of that game would go up against either Ridgewood or Polo. So two yeah. teams from our area, but playing kind of in different conferences or different mm-hmm. divisions of eight man football. Mm-hmm. Ridgewood gets the 58 to 26 win in the opening round over South Fork. Riley, Riley Couture, five of five passing 142 yards, three touchdowns, adding a rushing touchdown. Gavin McDonough, a name we've called out a lot, 192 yards, two touchdowns for Ridgewood. Mitch, this Spartans team doesn't pass a lot, but hey, if you're going to yeah. do it, five for five with three touchdowns is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, couple other names here. Uh, a junior Preston Moriarty? Moriarty? Moriarty, I believe. Moriarty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 139 total yards, 75 receiving yards, like, like we talked about, 64 yards rushing, two scores. Uh, the sophomore Roy Sandberg, 103 yards, 80 rushing, 23 receiving, and two touchdowns for the Spartan teams, Greg, that's in their first year of eight man and playing really, really well. Yep. Well, so being in their first year of eight man, if they're going to make a statement win in their first year, how about doing it over the two time defending state champions, right? Polo advanced out of the opening round with a 44 to eight win over Hiawatha. No Avery Ganoble in this one, but man, Brock Soltow, Solto, five touchdowns, Mm -hmm. just an impressive effort from him. 224 yards. I mean, this kid continues to produce every week. Yeah, it just, I I forget what his career numbers are. I believe he's over 3,000 for his career. That sounds right. Um, so, yeah, a great game. We don't know the status of Avery Grenoble. Obviously, we would like to have him back and have a, a Marco team at full strength. But uh, Dilo Fernandez had a nice night, 161 yards. But it was just Polo controlling that line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Greg, this is their ninth straight postseason win, as you mentioned. The, uh, the two-time defending state champions. So yet to be overtaken here in the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, this Polo team, they've been battle-tested this year. You know, the schedule they play. They played Amboy. They played St. Thomas More, a team that we mentioned earlier. Obviously, Milledgeville. So, you know, they've been tested in this season, particularly early on in their schedule. You know, you look at the Ridgeview side, they've kind of cruised through their schedule. The mm-hmm. one, the one big challenge they had was against West Central. Obviously, one of the best teams in eight man, like we talked about. They didn't, you know, they didn't pass that test. But you know, every other matchup, they've they've exceeded expectations here. I think so. Right. You know, they're playing really good in their first, you know, go at eight man. This would be a huge win. This would be a statement win for them, obviously. Yeah. So yet another really good quarterfinal matchup here, as as all of them are. And just going to set up even better semifinal games. So we're, we're really in the, the thick of it here for eight man. And uh, all, all four of these games are, are going to be really exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, not going to say that they're, they're, they're toss ups because I don't know that they are, but a lot of weird things could happen, Greg. We, we could see um, some teams that we're not really expecting to because that's the type of quality of performances and quality of talent that eight man has. Yeah, this eight man division has been exciting all year long. And I think we knew in this playoff field, the first round, we're going to have a couple wins that were going to be pretty convincing wins for certain teams. But once you get into the quarterfinals and the semis, I mean, this, 
this really becomes a lot of toss up games. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we're, that's what we're here for. That's the fun of it. So yeah, really exciting stuff. So Mitch, I think that kind of wraps it all up. We've gone from seven, a down to eight man and everything in between a lot of exciting football coming up this weekend. And, you know, eight man will be in the semifinals, like we just referenced. And now we're, we'll be talking quarterfinals and I hope we have a lot of teams to talk about in the quarterfinals for sure. Yeah, I was trying to do a quick count of how many we have we have left. We started with what twenty seven? Believe twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, was that including eight men? That was. Yep. So I think we're only down to twenty three, twenty two. So I think we're still in the twenties here. So yeah, plenty of football to talk about uh, here on Friday and Saturday, and we'll see what uh, you know who comes out on top here, and we'll be talking about them next week. Is this, uh, I don't think this podcast is going to break our. Uh our longevity uh, record from last week, right? We, we were over two and a half hours last week, Mitch. Yeah, still, we're still tracking pretty, pretty good here right around <laughs> two hours, but yeah, uh, that was, that was a marathon. No doubt. About I, it. Well, I don't know if my voice can hold up for much more than a, a couple minutes here. So we better, we better call this good. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who listens, Mitch. Thank you for stepping in and doing the instant reacts and for keeping a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Twitter informed with everything. If you like, yeah. you know, our posting on Twitter, it's all Mitch Stormer. He, he gets all the updates out there. He gets all the round by round matchups with logos included. Looks really good. We're getting all kinds of traction oh, just, on those. So just wait till the state championship games come. I can't wait to do that again. Are we going to do a uniform breakdown of the state title games again? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. All right. I hope, I hope we're talking about our teams. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I, that would be a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, before we get there, we got a couple more rounds, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're moving our way. I mean, we're when this, when you post this, it'll be November. So we are right there with three, four weeks left. Yeah, that's right. Well, and the, you know, like we said at the beginning of the playoffs, who's going to be practicing on Monday, right? Who's practicing next Monday. That's right. All right, Mitch. Well, we'll be talking next Monday for sure. And hopefully it's about a lot of our teams that we'll be practicing. So until we will keep in touch. We'll follow along on Twitter. Go go find us on YouTube and watch some old classic highlights. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week you can follow along on twitter at view from west pod you can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor view from west pod at gmail.com thanks so much we'll see you next week